This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 818. Go Valley. Brought to you by... <laughs> Sorry. Listening to the wind of change. Hey, welcome to Pick of the Week, episode 818. 
Shout out to my SFV folks. What's up? Um, I had an 818 number for years. Years and years and years. I like it. It's very... Uh, or there's Hawaii, which is 808, which is nice, too. In my life, in my professional business work, I have learned a lot. I know how, I know how to look at area codes and know where they're from. That's, that's a thing that I've had to do for my entire life. I'm Josh Flanagan, and that was pretty banal, right? What I just did? Yeah, pretty sure. bad, yep. I'm with Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. You could also say banal, but that feels like it sticks out more. So I go You can with say it that way? Who says it that way? I don't know. I don't think you should. <laughs> Where I, fanboy? Well, because you'd say banality, right? Yeah. Okay. We are <laughs> I, fanboy. This is the worst opening we've ever had. No, it's good. Well, I mean, you can. Ha- there's excuses. Uh, this is a comic book show. You might not know that so far, but every week one of us picks the book they like the best from their stack of comics. We call that the pick of the week. We will talk about that comic book. We will talk about other comic books from the week. We will talk about the patron pick. There should be listener mail if there's time. Yeah, listen, parts of the world are literally on fire right now. They've been metaphorically on fire for a while, and it's very disturbing, and we are going to do the show because it, it will help us feel better, and hopefully it does a little bit of that for you, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they hits keep coming. Yeah, it's terrible. Here's your spoiler warning. There will be spoilers. If that is a huge concern of yours, we talk about what happens in the books. That should be self-evident. That's fine. Connor, you had the pick. I did. The pick was the Human Target Book 5 from Tom King, Greg Smallwood, Clayton Cowles, and DC's Black Label. And I said last time that 4 was one of my favorite single issues in a while, and Book 5 is also in that category. This is shaping up to be one of my favorite Tom King stories in this issue. I mean, in addition to the just wonderful Greg Smallwood art, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this issue takes place in the entire time. It takes for Christopher chance to hand the salt to John Jones at dinner. And it takes place in multiple timelines. And it's just one of those wonderful Tom King construction that he does really well, where in the course of, handing salt you know he's having dinner ice and christopher chance and john jones in in his human form are having dinner the first panel is john says mr chance will you pass the salt and chance says sure and in the course of that entire handing him the salt there's a whole psychic attack that happens and we've learned that christopher chance has trained for by one of the original members of the legion of superheroes when he was younger and has a whole affair with her there's a whole backstory we learn about Meanwhile, we, we also see where perhaps John Jones has been manipulated by fire, Ice's best friend, into being involved in this murder that Christopher Chance is investigating. So we see how Christopher Chance protects himself from John Jones' psychic intrusions, how he turns it around and uses his own training to pull out the important bits from John's mind, and also we see, learn a bit about Christopher Chance's life as well as John Jones' sad sex life. There was a lot going on here, and it was so perfectly interweaved. And by the end, when he hands the salt to John, he's just like, God damn, God damn, Tom King. He really does think about the form in ways that other people aren't. And he has a luxury of doing that because he's only doing these prestige miniseries. I mean, I think that that really puts it down to a very specific thing is that he thinks about the form. Yeah. Which is really interesting because there is, and I don't mean to go on a tangent, but it is, it is related. In writing comics, there is a ongoing discussion about like how much you tell the artist or mm-hmm. suggest you know even how you tell the artist what to draw or how it looks or what you know but i think it's fairly safe to say that 
while he's not going to tell an artist how to depict it, you know, that form matters yeah. in this case. And and that is how comics should be made. I mean, like, that is the difference between, you know, just sort of depicting some action scenes and making a comic book with, you know, some... some... Nah, that's not true. Well, Marvel style is, is that way. Yes. And... And there's full script, but that only sort of gives you dialogue. And I was when I was in the Will Dennis episode that just went up. He talks about how basically like Brian Azzarello scripts were just dialogue, mm-hmm. and you know he'd, he'd sort of break it up into pages, and then Riso would then interpret that, which is super interesting because Riso didn't speak English at first. So how the <laughs> hell did that work? But um, so that's on that show, and you right. can check it. But you know, I, but I guarantee you, like Tom would give a lot of credit to Smallwood, you know, for making all of that work. And, and I, I, what, one of the things I've, I probably should have asked him more about, and I'm curious, is like, like how specific all that stuff is. Right. Because in even through Strange Adventures, like, you know, one panel will be from this place, one will be for another one. It's, I, 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 I love it. Exactly what you said. Like, I love that he's taking the form into account and, and not enough people either can or get to do that. That said, it's challenging. Mm-hmm. I liked this issue and I knew it was very good, but I was lost through a lot of it because I wasn't quite sure where I was, which I think is part of the point. And I know enough for reading this writer's work that it's going to come together. I'm going to understand it, but I've got to trust the process. And I think that that can be difficult. Were you lost in the overall story or lost in the particular issue? I was lost in the particular issue a couple of times because we were, you know, we're switching times and places. And I think the one, uh, was it... I thought I was looking at ice, but then it was fire and right. change. I don't, I, and that was intentional because like, their their brains are intertwined. Yes. Yeah. So the whole thing is that Saturn girl, who is the brunette, and this is black label, so none of this makes sense continuity-wise in the regular DC universe, which is fine. Saturn girl, whose real name is Imra, and it's from the moon of Titan from of Saturn, is training a young Christopher Chance. It's, it's almost like the young Batman story we were learning earlier, right? Yeah. Where he's out in the world, learning the skills he needs to become the human target. And so she's training him on how to protect himself from psychic attacks. And she is psychic, or you know, she has the same powers. John Jones has the mind, mind powers. So he doesn't have those powers, but she's giving him the tools to recognize when someone's trying to probe his memories and how to protect himself and also turn it around on the person and steal some of their memories, even if you don't have that power. So... Mm-hmm. It unfolds through the story so that things you learn in later in the story make things that happen earlier in the story make sense. It's very yes. twisty. And you, you have to give the reader a lot of credit. Yeah. You have to you have to pay attention. Oh, you can't fly through this issue. You have to really right. pay attention. I think that's the case with all these human targets. But yeah, there's a scene in the middle, uh, page 13, where... I was literally looking at that page, going to bring it up. Postcoital human target and ice are in bed, but he's sweating. And maybe that's from the sex. Maybe it's from the fact that his... Memories being intertwined with John's, in which John has had sex with fire. So now f- ice becomes fire. And then later on, they sort of switch. It is in the beginning, you're like, what is happening? But then by the middle, you figure it out. While also, Chance is remembering his father being murdered because he owes money. Yeah. You've got the thing where ice and fire basically look the same. You know, like, I'm just trying to pick people out because it is a bunch of faces. And so you, like, thank goodness uh, Christopher Chance has the white temples. Okay, that's him. But in the past, he doesn't. So you've got three versions of that one character in the same book. I think all the faces are totally different. So the, the, Other than Ice yes. and Fire, which I think is intentional because they keep switching places in the memory. Right. You know, and then John Jones, he's got two faces. Like, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to keep track of. I mean, also on the craft side, it's it's a difficult sort of thing to do. 
so I, I did. I felt a little like disjointed as I was reading through it, and I probably could have done to read it a second time. Yeah. But it wasn't like the kind of thing where I was like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I can't follow this. It wasn't that. It was like, I don't know that I'm able to pay enough attention to it right now. Right. <laughs> like, it felt like that. I was like, I think that was very good, and I'm going to have to go back and read it again, just because it's it's all been so great. I think that John's face is the same through his human and alien form, because there's a second know, but... bald guy in the story. Oh, yeah. That's the guy oh. who's from the League of Assassins. And that's all Basically Ubu. 26? Yeah. But he's bathed in green light also. Right. But that's not John. He ends up dead later on because Chance shoots him at the table. Right. I know. It's just yeah. like, but, but there, I mean... It's not even that it's it's difficult to follow. They're fucking with us. Yeah, and I think that's part of the the, the thing. It's the yes. whole because the whole thing is a is a battle of memory, and so things get twisty in this issue. And I really liked that yeah. of it. I like the ambition of it. I like that he's not handing it to you on a silver platter. He's like, this is a very complex mm-hmm. issue, and that there was the, the issue of Mister Miracle was like that. Yeah, we and we saw a lot of that in Rorschach. I mean, yeah. that's, that was the case, but it is not easy work. No, and you have to have an artist who is as talented as Greg Smallwood. To make something like this really yes. work, he just again becomes a revelation. And they announced this week that issue six is next month, and then the seventh issue isn't going to come out till the end of the year. Hmm. And if that's because of Smallwood, that's I'll take it. I mean, I don't love it. I wish they'd done all these issues yeah, before they be put tough. them out. But if it means that we get this level of craft, then it is. Oh, what sure. It is. No, you wouldn't want like, <laughs> like Keith Giffen on breakdowns. Oh no. You don't want the Infinity Gauntlet scenario to happen, <laughs> which haunts me to this day. Ron Lim? I love Ron Lim, but you, that was a George yeah. Perez piece, and it didn't end up being a whole George Perez piece. Anyway. Hey, I love, you know, in, in the same Tom King world, I love Liam Sharp, but yeah. uh, that guy shouldn't have been brought in to do Batman Catwoman. Right. Just, you know, like that, oh, that didn't work. Exactly. If it took us 12 years to get the rest of that series, even if it wasn't very good. It was, it's about, it was, I think it was going to. <laughs> so. Tom King's putting out a lot of work. He, Supergirl just ended last week. It was pick of the week. Next week, we have his second Batman miniseries. And he's got love everlasting. I'm glad he's get all these little miniseries to try to do different things. Mm-hmm. There's more freedom in it, obviously, than doing an ongoing series. You know, this is out of continuity. He can do whatever he wants with the Justice League characters. This is a straight-up detective noir story in which John Jones is being sexually manipulated and I've never thought of John Jones ever in my entire life as a sexual being. I don't think I've ever seen him in a relationship portrayed. I see him with a cat. I see him with Oreos and TV. TV. Yeah. And so it was a little strange to see him in a sexual situation. Well, his wife's dead. Like, that's his whole thing. He's very sad about his family. Yeah. So I've never seen that, that happen. So I was like, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. This is everything I hoped it would be from this yeah. creative team. This is re- doing really more. terrific work. Yeah. I would I would say they're they're uh, definitely they're making something just for you. I mean, and and, uh, and this isn't to say I'm not saying I don't enjoy it or appreciate it or whatever. Yeah. But like this, you know, it's like you're it's right. A lot of boxes ticked. And look, I'm not like super smart. In the beginning, in the first couple of pages, I was like, "What is happening here?" But then, but once they started peeling back layers and revealing things, I was like, "Oh, that's what's happening here." I think it helps you specifically. I'm. I think you have a slightly stronger toehold in these characters in this world. That's going to get you through a little easier than me. Not a ton, but Possibly. you know, you know the players because you were very familiar with that Justice League run. You know, that's one of your favorites of all time. I'm not going to say that's wrong, but also I don't know that it, it, it makes a difference in terms of the construction. It could be anybody, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but it's but it's one more thing that you don't have to worry about that's because true. you know 
who the characters are. And I don't know fire and ice and, and whatever, you know, like mm-hmm. it's just a little thing that you don't have to juggle. True. That's true. But, but again, I think that that's part of the layered way that it's built is that you, you don't need to have that. But if you do, it gives you a little something extra, you know? Yeah. Like I'm aware of it, but I'm not intimately familiar with it. You know, you know it really well. So, and I'm sure there are other people who you could just read it and you'd be fine. You'd figure it out. It's, it's not rocket science, but it is, it is complex comic booking. So the last time the Human Target came out, when I said it was one of my favorite issues, single issues in a while, yes. uh, you made Iron Man six forty one your pick of the week. This week we had Iron that Man six forty two, and this was very very good. And in a week without really the Human good. Target, this is probably the pick of the week. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I read it and I I was, I sometimes I think back to I'm like, did I really should I have made that pick of the week? And then I I got to this one and and I I was just impressed that they were being so brave. Like they're really making Tony awful. And like the threat feels real, yeah. and and this little weird cast of characters that they built around this Iron Man book, who at first was just kind of weird, and then they all just stand around in circles. They're always just together: <laughs> the frog guy and the <laughs> demon guy, and I don't know their names. It doesn't even matter. But I love that it's this weird, weird little group, yeah. you know. And and Rhodey's there in his costume, and it's just it's just this crazy thing. Well, you know what I got from this? I was like, this feels like there was a lot of Mark Russell in this book. Yeah, because not yes. him specifically, yes. but the things that it did with you know the people being Smart. made intelligent yeah. and the blowback from that, it was like that. But you know, just just you know, like out of, to be out of Christopher Cantwell's is a great comic book. So the story is that Tony went off to fight what's his name, Korvac, Korvac. and in doing so, he ended up with the power cosmic, and he came back to Earth as the Iron God. He's got this silver suit. In the last issue, everybody was afraid of him, so in order to placate everyone, he gave. Everyone in New York City, his IQ. Intellect, yeah. And so everyone, <laughs> average IQ is 185, as the news story says in the beginning. But parts of New Jersey are claiming 170. That was very funny. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, that was very Mark Russell, the, yes. the newscaster. Oh, was it was like all very that. funny because the first one to the new app is terrible for scrolling. Four pages is all the newscast explaining what's been happening in the city since this happened. And it was very funny and not wrong. And clever. Like, yeah. it goes really shitty. Everyone's sort of selfish. People are doing good things, but also destabilizing the stock market. And all the kids quit school and everybody quits their jobs. You're a New York City native. Yeah. That seems like the worst possible place to give everybody <laughs> an extremely high IQ. I mean, everyone is horrible in their own way and every city, everybody, yes. Sure, it, it'd but be there's bad. a lot of them. It's just a lot of them concentrated in small places. And they have been that. trained to live in New York City. Yes. And that, with that comes a certain... Oh, no, it's super aggressive and yeah. yes. doggy dog. So it would, this is definitely not out of the realm. <laughs> right. Uh, 14 different New Yorkers have tried to take over the world in the last 72 hours. Like, it was all very funny. Is that even, you think that's even above the actual average? That's low. That's what I'm saying. Like, 14 like out of 8 million would guessing. definitely, yeah. No, but, but he, like, even without the super, <laughs> that's probably happening. But then again, <laughs> like, several apartments maybe they're smart enough to realize that it's dumb to try to take over the world. I don't know. But the point is, right. the opening was very funny. And then you add Doom into the mix because Hellcat, who is currently Tony's girlfriend, realizes that Tony's out of control. So she, She's trying to list all the help she can get. And Reed Richards has been made dumber because of this, so he's no help, which is also a very <laughs> funny joke. It is. So she gets Doom, and Doom gets involved. The only thing I thought was a little off was that Jim Hammond was an asshole in this. And I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. But other than that, that's fine. I mean, 
Like, he really hates Tony Stark. And I'm just I'm not sure why he hates Tony Stark so much. I don't believe that character's terribly well-established. There's a lot you could probably do with him. At least it's like the way his character... He's almost a blank slate whenever he gets used. But I did want to mention that, like, Cantwell did that little Doom series. Yes, he, he does a great Doom. I love this Doom. Mm-hmm. He's really fun to have show up. That's all. And the thing is, like, Tony is being terrible, but in a way that you can understand why. You know, uh-huh. like, he has all of the intelligence of the universe in his, in his mind. So he knows what he thinks is the right thing to do, and just everyone else is slowing him down. And so, he, of course, he turns all of his people into yes-men who are like, this is not a good idea. And, like, I get it. Like, it's not good, but also, I get it at the same mm-hmm. time. That's the best yeah, way to but- do it. It's not make him pure evil. And he's not evil, but just not make him into this unfeeling bad guy. It's like he, he's just moving too fast for everybody and making bad choices. It's a process of how you get there. Yeah. You know, like, how do you get to the Phantom Menace episode one? Well, you give somebody ultimate power. <laughs> and all yes around him agrees with what he does. And then you he loses perspective. Right. And, and eventually it's like, you're going to talk back to me about this? You're going to tell me your idea is better than... And I'm, I'm not saying that's how George Lucas turned we out. We saw the documentary. The product. Yeah. The red pen and the blue pen. I would point out in page... What page is this? Sorry. The, this app is not as fast as the old app. I don't even know what page this is. It's Here a, we go. It's page bottom, 14. Nothing's happening. Page 14. Eh, fairly good interpretation of holding a pizza slice for Tony Stark. Is that tomatoes? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's tomatoes. tomatoes. So, the, I mean, okay, let's talk about this. It's pretty good. It's a thicker pizza than I think that you would get in New York City for the most part. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. here's my question. Who's making the pizza? Everybody's 185. Somebody really loves people? making pizza. I mean, you could be smart and still really love to make pizza. There are absolutely those guys who would go in and make pizza because it's what they do. And also, maybe it's the that. best pizza ever made, you know? It could be. It looks like a good piece of pizza. It's colored well. Yeah. The cheese is stretching in the right way. It is an awkward freeze frame of the bite, but it works. It does not look like New York pizza is my point. No, and he should, I mean, he's only really holding the corner of the slice. He's yeah, going to lose gonna balance here. He's got to hold the entire back of the slice. You risk a slide off. Yeah. And I'm not, not talking about the under, under back, like, like Nightwing. Yeah. I'm talking about the entire crust. He's got to get the whole thing in. He's got to get that whole thing going. You, you want to get that bottom corner tipped up. Yes. Otherwise, those, those tomato pieces are coming right off. Yeah, that's right. And if it's still hot, you're, you're risking a face burn. <laughs> that is the worst feeling on earth, by the way, is the cheese slip and slap on the bare skin with the hot sauce. <laughs> There's nothing worse than that. That was the big college thing. The mouth, you'd, you'd top go, of the mouth. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I, I, you have to get to the pizza as quickly as possible and get slices, and then you take that first bite. The cheese lets go at a higher angle, and it, it, it comes down on you, mm-hmm. and it sears itself to your skin. It's, so you always want to make sure you bite through. Is that my skin or that is that cheese yeah. on top of my mouth? That, yeah. That's probably both. I'm I'm always telling my kids, listen, bite through that. <laughs> don't don't just pull. You gotta trust me. I've been through this. And they don't do it. They gotta learn on their own. You can't Anyway, this has been really terrific. <laughs> I think we just made up for the opening. This this <laughs> this arc has been terrific. I think the last arc when he was out in space and the planet went on slightly too long. But Yes. I like the one on the planet. I don't like the space stuff so much. Well, it was all sort of the same. Like, it was all sort of the same, him off the planet. But the planet was stuff was interesting. Just the whole yes. arc of him chasing Korvac through space was well, a little slightly too long. Not terribly, but slightly. And this has been very good. Aerosmith behind enemy lines, number two. 
I would say I enjoyed the first issue, but I wasn't sure about it, and I enjoyed the hell out of the second yeah, issue. Yeah, this was much better. This was what I was looking yeah. for. I was totally down with it from the beginning. I had good footing on, you know, so where I was, there's this, I guess, are they, they're not German, they're... Well, it's fantasy World War One. Yeah. I mean, it says London, it's, just a, it's not England, it's, it's a fantasy name for England, but it says London. Albion. But so Albion's one of those words. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so, you know, he's captured by the forces of the East, and he's in this prison camp, and it's, you know, an officer's prison camp, so, you know, they've all, they've got their uniforms on, and they're, they're British gentlemen, and, and, and everybody's pretty, it's not a bad place to be. And Stalag. a scary dude shows up, the Black Baron, I think is what they call him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Black Baron. And then a bunch of stuff happens. We find out why this is ugly. We find out a little more about how magic works in this world and how it intersects with, you know, the, the gentleman's idea of honor and satisfaction and yep. a duel. And by the end of the issue, I was like, whoa, what's next? It was a page turner. Yeah, I remember this is how I felt reading the, the original series. It was a lot of fun. Carlos Pacheco art's terrific. Really, really works in this it's very clean as we talked about before he's got a lot of faces to deal with but everybody's got their own faces and which is not something every comic artist can do true there's a lot of world building here you know we've got the religious side of what's going on here with the catholic church it was a lot of fun i just one of my favorite issues of the week yeah no absolutely you know i think trying to get my footing last time i wasn't quite sure and it, it didn't you know i wasn't sure what it was yet but as we sort of got through this yeah i, I really i knew who everybody was I knew where we were, where I had an idea of the ground rules of the world, and uh, I could really get into it. And also, like, just looking through it now, you know what it stands out is the uh, the coloring in this. The coloring, story. yeah. It's really beautiful coloring. Jose Villaruba. The green of that dragon. Yeah. It really pops. He does a thing where when you move to a different setting, so say that we're on page uh, two, the first panel across the top is a train going at night. It's the prison train. They're on their way, and it's all mm-hmm. blue and green. And then we switch to London Albion. And, and the lighting changes to a sort of yellowish. Right. That is enough, you know, to sort of know, oh, we've changed. And, and it's not a thing that everybody does. It should be, you know, super obvious, but it's a great basic tool of craft. And then actually what's kind of cool is that as you switch to that next page, it sort of fades from light on the left side, which mm-hmm. is where you would start reading a comic book page. Yeah. And then it goes back to a different color, so you know that you switch to a different place. Right. It's just these little, you know, bits, just little craft things that, that make the comic book better. And if you look actually on that page, yeah. page seven, that dude, the Black Baron, that appears to be him, like or, or at least a, a, cre- a creature like him, sort of foreshadowed before he actually shows up. There's so like a, there's a couple of things thing. in this beginning part that are good, like from a storytelling point of view. That in the in the pub, there's an argument over patriotism and war. That was just a little couple of panels that was good. And then mm-hmm. I really enjoyed on page four of your digital reader where. Even in this fantasy world of Albion, a funny functionary name is Johnson. Yes, Johnson. <laughs> ah, Johnson. You've brought the toast, I assume. Without having read the first one, you pretty much could read this issue. It gives you enough information. Yeah, I, think, I don't think you're wrong. Yeah, this felt like a, the start. There's the total figurehead emperor of the German side who's just drunk just on the throne. drunk as hell. While the shadowy... Magic people in the basement are really in control of everything. I thought this was this was very good. Yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. I was I was very happy about it. You know, I'm gonna be bummed when Strange Academy goes away, which is gonna happen in two issues, I think. Yeah, because this book has been terrific. It's giving me that feeling I want from X Men, a little bit. You know, it has mm-hmm. that classic X Men feel of these kids at the school learning their abilities, and I realize it's very on the nose X Men, but. 
you know, it's X-Men plus Harry Potter. Yeah, they're interpersonal struggles yeah. and stuff, and they're just the right age that it's complex and not silly, and, and they're dealing with stuff, but, you know, whenever you're just sort of dealing with your personal stuff, the size of the other matters outside is sort of inconsequential, even though, you know, you're talking about end-of-the-world magic and shit like that. But, man, the ending got me, you know, in that classic comic book way where the whole conceit here is they're having their dance, they're formal, and so there's a lot of, like, asking each other out and doing all, all, this, all the pressure of, even when you think, you know, think you've got someone who likes you, will she actually say yes? Because your head's on fire, even though it's not really on fire because you make out. And clearly his head's not really on fire. I don't understand how that works. But, you know, Doyle, <laughs> who has, you know, Emily, they're nominally in a relationship, but, you know, you're all young and you don't know what that means. So he struggles to ask her out the whole issue and finally does. And she, she says yes. And he's very insecure because he has a head, fire head. That and his father is a, the, the baddest bad bad yeah. guys, yeah. But she's going to meet him at the bridge outside the dance and go to the dance with him. But as she walks out to go meet him, she runs into, what is his name? Calvin. The evil guy with the jacket. He's not evil, but... Not evil. Right. He was the kid who lost his magical abilities, so he did right. some shitty stuff to get, he's, you know, purchased He's going to turn evil. And she's going to help him, and that means ditching on Doyle, and he's just heartbroken and i was just like oh this is a classic comic book thing where you do the right thing at the expense of your personal life and it was just handled so well the pacing of it was terrific as doyle sort of slips more and more into insecurity and sadness as she's not showing up and everybody else is going to the dance by the end he's all alone on the bridge oh man good stuff and you think back it was a billion years ago but if you read this, you're like, oh, come on, he's got to know better. And then I think, you know what? When I was a kid, when I was 15, 16, like, it took nothing to just lay me low. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we would wait for the phone to ring then. You know, like somebody's <laughs> supposed to call you, and they don't. And it, it would destroy you. And I'm not saying it turned me into a supervillain, but my father wasn't Dormammu. <laughs> right. You know? But, Your head you know, wasn't on fire. I could have seen myself going that way. No, I, my head wasn't. Well, I mean, it was, but in a, in a different way. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's great. You know what? You could say, I'm going to be sad, it's going to go away, and I think I am too, but I don't know about two issues is enough, but, you know, like another another year or so, and they probably... Yeah, I'm not sure how many, but I know that they've solicited the final issue, so it's got to right. be the next three issues. Yeah, and then, you know, these characters will probably come back and exist in the world, and it's a good addition to the Marvel Universe, but... Oh, it's also entirely possible, in the Marvel way, they will restart sure. with number one, but all I know is this particular volume is ending, which is a bummer. Right. Well, right, but it'll be a like this will be the the jumping on you know the first Runaways book or the first uh, Young Avengers or something like right. that where none of those characters have been as interesting outside of that as they were there. But no, you know, it's 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 a remarkable accomplishment. Also remarkable that Humberto Ramos has drawn the whole thing. That's what I was yeah. That's the next thing I was going to say because it really has kept it of a piece. Right, because these are basically just a bunch of kids running around. Other than. Doyle, they don't really have a distinctive look to any of them. So it's important that the artist is consistent and draws them consistently. Yeah. Yes. And you always know who you're looking at. That's what happens when you have an award-winning, renowned artist. <laughs> who draws them to look like actual kids with awkward, yep. gangly bodies. Yeah. This is just a really fun comic. Absolutely. I don't know what's going on. Actually, this, I don't, hold on before you go to the next book. I keep stopping on pages and you know scrolling back and forth because you know, that's what happens when we talk about the book. And then on the timeline... This is the new comics all Jeff, but I don't know what the hell's going on. The timeline keeps marking pages for me. There's dots with page numbers, and I don't know why and how I'm doing that or how to undo it. Anyway. I don't know. Anyway. I want to ask you what you think of Action Comics 1040. I like it as an Elseworlds. 
Yes. I like the story that's happening. I'm interested in how it's going to go. I like the world that is set up. The thing, you know, with the chains and, and, you know, they're dedicated to the abuse of the dictator. It feels like it's an actual threat. You've given Superman the chance to be heroic in that he's not using his powers. You know, he's the, what did, what did they call him at the beginning? He's in this gladiator and he's got a big sword. And I was like, he's not going to use that sword. He won't kill anybody. Yeah, but he won't use the sword. And I was like, well, why is he holding the sword? Unblooded sword. That's, That's the one, name. unblooded yeah. sword. So he's using it for something. You know, I think the art is exactly right for yeah, what it's very the fantasy book is. is. And, you know, notwithstanding the stuff that has to happen on Earth or is happening on Earth, which you could either ignore or you could fill that in, you know, this on its own, not forever, but it's it's really fun. It's a great Superman fantasy story. You know, Philip Kennedy Johnson, I think... It's funny, I was reading, I was like, this doesn't seem like Bendis. That's because it's not. You know, I, it's, 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 it's cool. It's, it's a good time. Yeah, the Federico, the Federico, Ricardo Federici art is very much like Isad Ribic. Very mm-hmm. similar style to the point where you can see the pencil marks and everything. So it's very from that school. And it works totally right. It's a, he's a fantasy artist look. And if this was a Superman Black Label book, I would be like, this is terrific. But again, I don't buy the central conceit. They're doing the best they can with the dumb idea that Superman would leave Earth. I mean, as a story, though, the why he would go and what he has to do, and he feel like it was set up fairly well. I get it. Like, I understand. These people came to him. They didn't even come for help, but they needed help, and he saw that, so he made the back great sacrifice and went up there and assembled the team. Like, it all hangs together. It's just, you don't want it to go on forever. But, you know, now that they're in it, they're, you know, God, it could be so much worse. <laughs> it has been fun. Superman's depowered, so he's he's basically... Maximus Decimus Meridius in this gladiator battle. Father to a murdered son, <laughs> husband to a murdered wife, commander of the armies of the north. And so, you know, that's basically what the story we're doing here is this gladiator Superman on this murder planet. And you know he's going to triumph in the end, but it does sure. seem like they're in a no-win situation right now. Yeah. So it'll be fun to find how they get out of this. And Mongol is a properly significant villain threat in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's got stature, you know, like a dark side kind of thing. But it's not dark side because he's used dark side over and over again. So that's nice. <laughs> oh, he's very similar. Yeah, it's not Apocalypse. It's good. My, my <laughs> Mongol has certainly been, you know, a major threat for decades in Superman books. So it's, yeah. it's good that he's being used. But not overdone to the extent of some of the other villains over the last 10 years or so. No. Let's take one moment to explain some things and thank some people. I want to say if you like this show... There's things you can do to help us out. You go to patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can directly support the show, which Connor and I appreciate. Mm-hmm. You can unlock shows for everybody. So what you do, it helps everyone. You uh, become part of a really good community. The next stretch goal is that we will add comic book television coverage podcasts in some form to be uh, nailed out down later. But that'd be the next thing. But you know we're going to follow through on it because the earlier uh, goals were uh, the explodes and the explodes, and then we added the media explodes, and we do the hangouts like we're on those. We enjoy them. We make time for them. And I think that they've added a lot to folks listening for us, you know, the experience of the whole thing. And so that was d- directly as a result of Patreon.com. So thanks to everybody who does that. We, I, I cannot express like how sort of humbled we are about the whole thing every time. I, I sort of remember that that's happening as a thing. So uh, you're mm-hmm. all good people who do the right thing. And I appreciate that. If you want some stuff, you know, some stuff, go to ifanboy.throwthis.com. You'll find 12 designs for T-shirts, and, you know, some of them just say iFanboy or something about that, and others have nothing to do. You'd never know. 
that they had to do with the comic book podcast. And one, one bit further is uh, some people might never know what it means at all. I think you have to listen to the show pretty intently to get some of the designs, which tells you how commercially minded Connor and I are. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is something super vague that you'd have to explain to everybody that you wore it to. But we're really proud of all that stuff that's on there. There's com slash support where you find a direct donation link via PayPal if that's what you'd like to do. Uh, if you if you so choose, we thank you for that. And finally, not finally, there's one more bit after that. com slash Amazon. You'll find links to buy all the books and the books bullets we talk about. You'll find links for the pick of the week and for the music on the show on the um, show page and there's a general link for Amazon if you wanted to shop there through our affiliate account and finally we have bookshop.org we've partnered with to help local bookstores and you're going to find those links on the website where, where it's appropriate where we can uh, we can link a book there so basically the idea is that this is a, a, a big thing to help out smaller local bookstores that you can buy from directly and those are valuable valuable resources from comic book shops to independent bookstores that uh, if you're a reader and you're listening to this you are uh, you should appreciate one out. Aquaman number one came out this week. Aquaman with an E. This is by Chuck Brown and Brandon Thomas and art by Sammy Bossery. This is about as middle of the road as you could possibly get, I think. I like Sammy Bossery's art a lot. It's good. The writing is fine. It just it sort of epitomizes the dumb point we're at in comics right now where clearly the desire is there to create new, more diverse versions of these characters, but they don't succeed in the marketplace, so what do you do? You just everyone gets an Aquaman. You know, so there's two Aquaman in this book, and there's two Spider Man, and there's two Supermans. There's even a joke in here about how they're both named Aquaman. It's just like this is dumb. Like this is dumb. Wait, there is literally another Aquaman that's yeah. his name? I thought that was Tempest or He was Aqualad. Okay. Aqualad is different than Tempest. Tempest is the original. Tempest Aqualad. used to be Aqualad, and this guy with the dreadlocks was the yes. new Aqualad. Yes. He was in Young Justice. Yeah, no man wants to be called Aqualad, ever. Right, so now he's also Aquaman. And it's just like, oh, God. This is not tenable. This will not hold. That's all I have to say yeah. about this book. There's nothing worth talking about otherwise. It was very middle of the road. I don't even know if I'm going to read the second issue. So it turns out that having this whole... Like, in the 50s, they added a bunch of kid sidekicks. And now yeah. they've added a bunch of non-white sidekicks. And I, I don't mean that as a complaint, but I mean, like, it's very see-through. It's very like, really, that's the... The thing is, they're not even sidekicks. They're trying to make them the main heroes, but right. no one wants to buy the books not featuring the original heroes, so Miles but Morales is also they just named them the same thing and said, now yeah. we've got this. And and like, it's it feels, it's very like you've thrown a bone and it's not a very good one. Like, make a new character who's awesome, who people want to read. Right. You know, don't just call him the thing that you already have. That's that's terrible. Two Hawkeyes, <laughs> two everything. Yeah. Some of those work. The characters themselves are fine. It's just the yes. name is stupid. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But, you know, Miles Morales, I think, is a is an outlier. No one calls him Spider-Man. Everyone calls him Miles Morales because he's not Spider-Man. So give him a different name. Yeah, that's true. But the other side of it is that everybody calls uh, Hawkeye Clint Barton now instead of Hawkeye. So. They don't call Kate Bishop Hawkeye. They call her Kate Bishop. Yeah, that's true. It's an issue. That's because Clint is dead. Well, Clint's clearly dead. That's, that's yeah. the deal. We're all just hallucinating. He's a ghost walking around the Marvel Universe. It's a tragic story. All right. You didn't read Robin because you hate Damien. But uh, Robin number 11, I don't know how many issues is going to go, but it would feel like it could end at 12 because we're feels, or at least this arc will be uh, wrapping up. Big tournament on Lazarus Island. All of the uh, badass fighters, the young folks in the DC Universe are there. It's really fun. I enjoyed it a heck of a lot. Um, there's some new characters. 
um, that got mixed in and relationships that are formed and uh, it was fun. And then it turns out the bad guy was Rajal Ghul's mother and there's a whole thing with a demon I don't fully understand or whatever. The point is, and the reason that I'm telling you this, and this will count as a spoiler, but Connor, you should know about this, mm-hmm. is that he's got some of the Lazarus juice and they're talking about the pits and the last thing that we see is, you know, Damien's like, I gotta take care of something. And he is standing in front of Alfred's grave with some of his Lazarus juice. Well, good. Therefore, indicating that we're well, going to have the Alfred. But if it's the way that they bring back Alfred, then whatever. I mean, many characters have brought back the Lazarus Pit. They just, you know, including Jason Todd, yeah. and uh, sure. you know. So that's the one thing that did, they didn't fix when they didn't go through with five G. Was he was killed off because they were going to age up everybody, and they didn't do it, and so they have to fix that problem. And Joshua Williamson, as you know from interviewing, was nominally like sort of in charge of this whole thing. So. Yeah. He would be the one to fix it. So it's good on you if that's what they're actually doing. If it's a feint, yeah. then I'll burn this place to the ground. I really do think that this was a fun series. And mm-hmm. they are maturing Damien to the extent that he's a much more interesting character. And he's less... Imp- like he, it's, It seems to be a lot about him sort of dealing with where he comes from. And what he's involved, like, you know, he's got a complicated kind of thing going on. I would be okay with Damien in the world if he was not Robin and he was this other interesting, complex character who exists in the middle, uh-huh. which I realize is also Jason Todd. But if he was this conflicted, psychopathic, assassin character who wasn't mm-hmm. carrying the Robin brand on his chest. Now, they just announced this week the new Batman creative team, which is Chip Zdarsky, as we correctly guessed last week, and Jorge Jimenez. And they said it's going to be about Bruce and Tim Drake as Robin. So I don't know what that means for the for- huh. Damien. I don't know how long it's been since uh, All-Star Batman, or Batman and Robin came out. 45 that years. That since Damien should he basically have aged that much. Don't use that number, by the way. <laughs> if you don't mind, because when you listen to this, that will be a, a number I don't... Anyway, I've gotten used to him as Robin to a certain extent. And I, I you know, I love Tim Drake, and I mourn the loss of that character. Yeah. Everybody else is still around to a certain extent. Like It's really about the trade-off from Tim Drake. We're really off off on the rails here, but Tim Drake was such a popular character that he carried his own solo series for like a hundred plus issues, and he was just shunted to the side. It's so mm-hmm. bizarre. And I'm a Dick Grayson guy, but I love Tim Drake as well. I love them both. Sure, but it's so strange. It's not like it was Jason Todd, and they were like shunt him over. It was this guy who was incredibly popular for an entire generation of comic readers who carried 100-plus issues on his back, and they just said, move over here, kid, and they never dealt with him. But none of the people who did that are in charge of DC anymore. So everybody who's got it is just dealing with what they have. I get you. Deadly Class 51, I wanted to mention... Are you still reading this? No. I wanted to mention because it's sort of falling into black science territory. If you recall, we enjoyed that book, but there was a certain point where it was just like, what are we doing? Yeah. This has been going on a I long time. I felt like that a while ago when I dropped out. So Deadly Class, I mean, look, this was a really good issue. Sure. And we're at the year 2005, so all the main characters are in their like, late 30s now. Jeez, that's kind of cool. Yeah, they started doing a time jump several issues ago where it jumped to like the 90s and then the two, early 2000s. And, and so they're adults dealing with the trauma of what they went through as kids. And this is actually one of the better issues I've read in a while, this book. But I'm also like, what's happening? Are we just going to follow them forever? That's fine. But like the super compelling part ended several years ago. I, and I think that's sort of what happened to me. And, and then the story's pr- pretty bleak. It's pretty yeah. awful. And I think I had a hard time finding a hook 
with that. Like I finished the first, you know, they got out of the second year of school or whatever it was. And yeah. I was just like, ugh, this is just, I didn't know who to root for. And I, I kind of just was like, I, it, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, well I mean, it's still Wes Craig, it's still Rick Remender. Mm-hmm. It's still the same team together. Just like, uh, uh, what we were talking about. One other book earlier. I remember the Ramos and or Scotty Young. Yep. Remender, also an artist. Rick Remender is, I think the guy in the modern comics Bendis to a certain extent. I just don't like Bendis's taste as much. Remender is the guy who was like, I'm only going to work with great artists. And I think that that has colored his career in such a way. And I think that a guy like Tom King learned from that. And in, you know, the last couple issues, Marco, I don't even remember that. It's 51 issues. Marcus. Marcus. Marcus? Yeah, Marcus. He's reconnected with his ex-girlfriends from high school. So last last issue was um, uh, the Japanese one. And this one is the (laughs) Latina. I don't remember their names. And sure. so they're all in various forms, you know, running different crime gangs. And he's he's sort of an assassin for hire, and he's been running into them. And so, it, in that sense, it's almost like his high school reunion. It's almost like twenty years because they're probably they're like they're probably around thirty. It's high fidelity. Yeah, only with a lot more killing. Sure. I've actually enjoyed the last couple of issues, but I'm still like, okay, what's happening? I have no indication of of how long this is going or what the deal is. But you know, I'm still watching or reading, whatever you call it. They're not viewers. He's going to live out his, like, 10 seasons of episodic TV in this book now that he didn't get. So it's just right. going to go on forever. Oh, for sure. That was a great show, too. Those are the books we wanted to talk about. But at patreon.com slash ifanboy, the patrons can vote to add a book to the rundown. Vote to add a book to the rundown. That's just what it means. And it's whatever that means to you. You make your pick of the week. No, it's not your pick no, of the week. True. No, that's it's true. It's just adding a book to the rundown. Okay. You want us to talk about a book? Make it a patron pick. That's that's what that's it is. An, you know what? That's an interesting way to look at it. I don't think I looked at it that way. Like, I've heard you say it a thousand times, but... Because I'm always thinking, like, we're going to talk about this. Why would you... Why would it's you, a why vote would to add that? a book to the rundown. Just making sure we talk about a book or a book we haven't. There's lots of different ways to look at it, and all of the patrons have various things. Like, they'll never read this book. Let's vote for it. Or I want to make sure they talk about this book, or this is my favorite book of the week. However you vote for yourself, all we ever said was... Vote to add a book to the rundown. And I only say this because I was asked this question earlier in the week, what it means. It's a, it's a very good answer. And that, that has helped clarify it for me. This week's winner was Step by Bloody Step, number one, Image Comics, Sky Spurrier on writing duties, Matthias Bergard and Matthias Lopes on art and colors, and then Emma Price on graphic design, whatever that means. The title page. This is a silent issue, and it was not a one-shot. Silent issue, I had to read it twice. Oh, yeah? And it was long. It was 48 pages. Yeah. First time I read it, I thought, I don't know what's going on, and I don't like it. Okay. Second time I read it, it's like, okay, I'm more clear what's going on. To be fair, the first time I read it, I was also trying to watch the news, and it was horrible. So yeah. it was a little That's distracted. Right. You can't do that for the patron pick. I'd like to, I'd like to uh, mention to the patrons that uh, this guy here is a professional. He he did it, and he went, that's not going to work. i got to go back and go back and do this. Yeah, thing. I didn't give it a fair um, shot because there was a lot going on in the world, and I was sort of distracted, and, uh, and then uh, I went back and read it. As soon as you saw there were no word balloons, you're like, oh, I can handle this. <laughs> so then the second time, I liked it more but still didn't love it. Right away, the first thing I thought was, I like this art. I yep. like this art an awful lot. There's a combination of – it's very manga. It's like manga mm-hmm. with fantasy in the way that it – there's bits in here that I could probably have, have remembered better. There's a lot of quick close-ups, and we we move around. The style of the main character is manga influences, but it's more than that. It's sort of like, like European and manga at the same time. 
I thought very sort of complex storytelling. Uh, and at times it was a little hard to follow because a lot of cutaways and what they would do is they'd give you a wider scene, but then there's lots of quick cuts to within a scene that are mm-hmm. close-ups. And it moves very quickly in those scenes. And because there's no dialogue and you have to work to a certain extent to follow what's happening. And then the other thing is that as time goes on, the characters seem to be getting older. So time itself is moving quite fast, which took an adjustment for me. Yeah. So the story is basically a kid and a giant robot, iron giant, are on a journey across the land. It's a giant, it's a giant robot holding the kid in its palm. And so we can tell the time goes by because the kid's hair gets longer as we go, and the kid gets bigger. So a, long, a lot of time has passed. And so they just they encounter various Many obstacles or threats or people along the way. It was fine. My biggest problem was there was no context. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what the stakes were, why they were doing anything, other than trying to survive, which is fine. But I was thinking back to G.I. Joe 21, the most famous silent issue of all time. And that book makes complete sense even if you know nothing about the characters. Like it, mm-hmm. it establishes the context and the stakes and who the hero and the villain is. It's all established through the action. Like you have to be really particular about the action. It's like if you can't speak, you have to be able to communicate with your hands or, or gestures. Here, you have to really communicate the story basics with the art. And I don't know that it necessarily established the important thing about the story is why for me. Uh- I, I I enjoyed it and I thought it was pretty good. It is not my favorite genre, so mm-hmm. in order, so you're stripping everything away. I kind of enjoyed the craft of it in terms of like watching how they were uh, depicting these scenes and how they were introducing this world. So mm-hmm. I enjoyed it from that standpoint more than I enjoyed it from the story standpoint. I was like, oh, how are you solving this problem that you've created for yourselves? in you know showing the characters aging up and moving from one place to another and threat and understanding their relationship uh there's a reveal um yes. at, at some point and i don't Star I didn't understand it yeah yeah i didn't understand the reveal because right. i don't i don't have much context yeah so that, that's basically like i kind of like looking how they were doing it but i, I wasn't sucked into the story I, I don't really care what happens next and they cheated they had alien dialogue balloons yeah you can't have any dialogue balloons I mean, they're making up their own rules, so it doesn't matter. But, <laughs> I know. Yeah, I, I wasn't invested in it from a story standpoint at all. Yeah. I was surprised to see that there's another issue. I'm wondering if that issue is also silent. I feel like it would have to be. I think it would be really weird to start with. Like, it's if it's one issue, it's a stunt. If it's if it's a series, it's a, you know, it's like an Well, if it's one issue, it's an experiment. Project. Yeah, right. But but if if I'm saying if it's a whole series and just the first issue has no dialogue, I feel like that doesn't work. That's so the back page bad. says a girl wakes. Didn't know it was a girl. Didn't know it was a boy. Didn't know. I figured anything. out it was a girl. Like I it, thought it was, but you know. And then it but says she has no memory. I was like, wait, who's this girl? And I had to go back and I was like, oh, that's a girl. Okay, I, I guess I just says, assumed it was a boy. My problem. She then says she has no memories, no name, no language, nothing except a giant, and none of that was conveyed in the, in the story. No. So it's kind of that's my it's, problem. It's, I think it's problematic that they had to tell you. <laughs> so that's the back cover, though. So theoretically, they would think you would look at that, but yeah, maybe. I don't know. So what are we going to rate? Step by bloody step, number one. Hmm. 
Image Comics, Cy Spurrier, Mateus Bergard, Mateus Lopez, Lopes. And I'm going to go Price. with three and a half. I'm going three. The art was terrific. The art was terrific. I, I admire the intention of it. I think that there probably are readers who are really going to dig this. I think it had tremendous chutzpah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and, and I did not... I, I Cy Spurrier is a name that has done some comics I really like, but he's done a lot more comics that were just so needlessly complicated and there was so much talking that I was actually yeah. pleasantly surprised that I was like, oh, you're doing this. Again, we, we talked about this with Tom King. We have to give credit whether they're experimenting with the form. They're saying, what if a right. first issue has no dialogue and it's this completely made-up fantasy world that you're building? That takes balls. That's, that's interesting. That alone mm-hmm. gets you a point. And I don't think it was bad either. I just wasn't super interested in it, which is different. So that's the patron pick. Step by step. Are you, you going to read the next one? Oh, no. No, I'm not. No. I might. No. I might, because I'm curious, but right. I might not. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown, but the patrons who give at the $5 or a higher level, they get their own superpower live on the show, like these guys. Jason Fisher can speak any language on Earth, mm-hmm. but he has to sing it. <laughs> oh what about his native language native language he can speak you know like say he speaks english he can just speak normally but like mm-hmm. if some french people come up to him he doesn't know what they're saying it's like, like he has to sing it it doesn't the genre it doesn't matter a... okay but the, the 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 melody doesn't matter it's a made-up melody or he's I, I mean uh... it, he's got like it, when it comes out it comes out in song i see but he can he can get by that way but you know people think it's weird it's difficult. Like, <laughs> well, that's cool. Like the Germans, like, why is he singing? It doesn't make sense. And he's like, please speak English, Mark Ding. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not singing German like it's Ramstein. Ramstein. No, I mean, he could. It's possible. Although that's sort of atonal and not melodic. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking of something a little more, I guess, Disneyfied. But you know, I'm I, listen. I don't know. It's not my power. Right. I'm just I'm just here telling you what happens. It's Jason's thing. Dave Carr can manifest tiny, tiny suns. And these are magic suns, so they don't create gravity. I like that you thought through the physics. I just wanted to There's no, you know, like, uh, problem in that sense. What they do is they, they float, they create heat, and they create light. So, you know, he can manifest as many as he needs. If, if you're at a backyard party and it's getting dark, he can create a string of mini suns and it'll keep everybody warm in the winter and also create light. Is he controlling the energy output of these suns? No, and they're also, um, whatever our sun is, they're not dwarf suns, they're not, you know, gas giants, they're little, the little yellow suns. That's just a Superman definition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're yellow suns. I don't think that's real. I'm not a scientist. Cue the text from Ryan. (laughs) So, (laughs) so, he makes wait, wait, he can wait, make wait, wait, little straight suns. So the energy output is proportionate to the size. If it was yeah. larger, if it was the size of our sun, that's how much it would be. See, I'd be interested yeah. what the math is on that. If the output of even a tiny size one is still too much. He, no, no, no. He, I mean, look. Let's say you're at a restaurant and it's getting mm-hmm. cold. You're outside on the street, on the, on the sidewalk. There's no this heater. Is mostly he about can, eating outdoor at a restaurant for you, I assume. Or being outside. Yeah, he can yeah, pop sure. a few mini suns up. And uh, it's warm again. And not only that, but you can see the food better. Sure. sure. Look, the magic in this regulates it. It's not going to burn anyone. What's the upper limit? Like, could he fuel a city? You know, Dave is smart enough to not test that upper limit. 
I think you'd have to be smart enough to do it. You'd be like, oh, well, let's well, see. Well, you don't want to make a sun. Help. You want to make a sun too big, you know? Yeah. Well, right. You, I mean, you want to do it carefully. You know, like, yeah. oh, I, fr- I fried Wisconsin. <laughs> right. Look, I didn't. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can go support the show. Like, Jason and Dave, thanks for being patrons. Let's do some email, even though we're on the edge. John C. from Madison, Wisconsin, which was destroyed by Dave's fictional son. That's why I said Wisconsin, by the way. I just flicked my eyes down, and that's what came out. John says, I've been thinking of this question since December of 2021, but waited for the email queue to clear in hopes it may be answered. Well, you, you got it done. John's question. Did you have other names for the program, which I appreciate the use of program. Program. Did you have other names for the program in mind besides iFanboy? If you were to name it now, would you pick something different? Well, let's start with the second question. Yes. Well, yes. He's talking well, about the program. The program's program. named after the website, so sure. you have to go. You'd have to go back to the website to change Fair. the name of the yeah, program. Oh, well, I'm I'm conflating those two. Yeah. Like, do you wish your thing had a different name? Yes. <laughs> Desperately. <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like like it doesn't matter if you've been around for a while and you know it, but I feel very self conscious about it. Now, yeah. for all sorts of things. Our, oh, yeah. Uh, People ask, uh, what's it called? They go, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the context of like fan and boy and it's I'm just, not. A, I'm not ashamed of anything we do at all. It's just that no. to, to be 44, say, my show is called I Fanboy is, yeah. again, not ashamed of it. Proud of everything we've done. Proud of the show. Yes. Proud of everything. It's just, it's a name we picked out when we were 22 because fanboy.com was taken mm-hmm. because we had just take, gotten out of college and taken the class in senior year about media, about reclaiming subcultures and sub- how subcultures reclaimed slurs. And we just said, well, let's reclaim fanboy. And that's exactly why the website's named that, what it is. Yeah. Yeah, there was thoughtfulness to it. But now, so, you know, at the time, at the time we didn't have any plans. But for a while, we were fairly well-known and we're doing, like, interviews and shows. And, and, and so, like, it was just a fact. But the yeah, first time it occurred to me, by the way, was the first time that we talked to Greg Rucka. And he said, <laughs> if and boy... And then he just looked annoyed by it, and I was like, "Uh oh," you know. And that has sort of that's only gotten worse. But like, if I talk to, like, say that I want to do an interview with somebody who doesn't necessarily know us because they're not forty, you know, thirty-year-old right. writer or something, and they don't know who I am. It's a terrible name for that. Like, it just doesn't. It, I have to be like, "Look, we've been around. We do this thing." Like, I have. But if they don't know me, then it's it's. And I think that's one of the reasons I think I have a harder time. Like getting other interviews with people that that don't sort of know the show it used to be easy because everybody knew the show and it was fine, but things have moved on. But also, it's just it's it's not it's not inclusive. It's not interesting. It's not evergreen. Yeah. But it is what it is, and we can't change it now. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to think we're ashamed of it. Just it's just this is not no. ideal. I, we were going to change it. I don't remember why we didn't. Was it because we either didn't change it because was it the video show or because of graphically? When were we going to change it? I don't remember that. I don't want to get into it because we, we, we were going to change everything. Yeah. We, we were going to change how we were doing everything. We were going to change the name. We were going to change the output. It wasn't going to be a website anymore. Well, we were going to do a publication. We were pitching a publication, and we, were, we had a different name for that. Because the reason why we didn't do it, it was either because the video show I took off or because we got acquired by Graphically. I don't remember what it was. The publication was because of Graphically. We just couldn't do it anymore. Well, that's why. then We were going to change okay. it around the time that Graphically bought us, so... To be fair, though, we went through a lot of names, and we still we found one that we were okay with, but I don't think anybody was in love with it. Yeah, no, it was fine. Early on, I, also, I think that it wouldn't have stood out at this point, but early on, like I can't remember any other names that we used for E-Fan. No, we, we zeroed in on, on Fanboy very quickly because of that whole yes. stupid class we, the right. three of us took about reclaiming subcultures, and then yeah. 
at the time, somebody owned Fanboy.com, which I think even now it's unowned, or at least it was recently when I looked. When I looked, mm-hmm. it was going to be Fanboy.com, and this would have been the, this would have been the Fanboy Pick of the Week podcast. I'm glad the eyes there. The name of the show is Pick of the Week. Mm-hmm. Really, we just said I fanboy the front for branding, but really the name of the show is Pick of the Week. Yeah, there you go. Monica M from Guadalajara, Mexico. The hype is high for the new Batman movie, and with the worldwide success of Spider-Man No Way Home, once again I've seen in social media the call for superhero movies to promote comic books. From giving away comics to the theater to video essays before the movie explaining what comics inspired the film. Can you tell what most people don't want- I'm making? <laughs> yes, but most people don't want to read comics, right? It doesn't matter if they go to a Batman movie wearing a Joker shirt, they just don't want to read comics and never will. And most people will get a trade at Amazon. They won't go to the comic store. Or do you think a comic book commercial before the movie can make a difference? No. No. It isn't going to happen. It didn't. No. never happened. Uh, Alan Moore sold a lot of comic books when the Watchmen movie came out. I'm sure there's a bump for, at the bookstore level because they can make those end tables and put the books there. But you're not selling any issues, and it's only getting worse. Look, you may peel off a couple of people here and yeah. there. And you'll, I'm sure, sure there's somebody listening now going, I started reading comics because I watched X-Men Absolutely. in 2000. And I'm sure that if you own a comic shop, people come in around those times to look for things yeah. like that. But it doesn't. But you're not going to create it, a bump. What new Wednesday Warriors in any no. significant way because we've been having these movies come out for 21 years. And comic sales are, are, are solid right now. They, yeah. Last year was a terrific year for comics, partially because everyone was still stuck inside. But yes, like comic sales are not trending down right now. So yeah. everything's good. And I understand the impulse that you love a thing and you want everyone to love the thing too. I totally get that. Everyone feels that way. You, you sit there at the theater thinking, man, if everyone here knew the, the great comic stories that inspired the Spider-Man movie, they would just read comics every Wednesday like I would. And they're not going to. And that's fine. Look at it this way. This is how I tend to look. Comics, to me, are like jazz. Certain mm-hmm. kind of people tend to get into jazz. Not everybody does. you know. And you can say, well, yeah, but jazz influenced all these other things that come after it. Yeah, they, it did. And they're not going to, you know, you're not going to, you might go see... I'm sorry for this terrible reference. Was the closest I can think of. You might go see Whiplash and love that movie, but you probably didn't go and buy a bunch of jazz records afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what, I mean, yeah. I mean, comics to me are are a literary form of jazz. Like there's a there's a handful of people who will always love it and will know it in and out, but it's not going to be a big thing. That time passed, and you know, yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's a niche. It's a niche thing. It will remain a niche thing. You can if you run a comic book store. You can make a great comic book store that is very successful, taking advantage of that niche audience, and you might even grow it a little bit. You might add five percent, you know, given the opportunity, and be smart, you know. But the nineties are not going to happen again. They're not going to be right. And that wasn't even real. That bubble wasn't even a real bubble. Right. It's like baseball. I love baseball more than anything, and I wish everyone loved baseball as much as I do. But that time is over. It's a niche sport. Regional sports, not a big national sport. It's never going to be a big national sport, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's not going away. Really? I don't even think about baseball that way. Baseball is a regional sport. It's very popular in its regions. People love their teams, but in the way that a football fan will watch a game featuring teams that they don't root for, that doesn't really happen with baseball. Really? It's a, it's a regional sport. You still need a thing. lot of people to support baseball. As oh, no, a... but the tent is larger for the, the comics, obviously. But sure. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It's, not, it's not the number one sport in America anymore like it was in the 50s, right. 60s, it was the 70s. It was America right. as a sport. And it's not going to be. That's fine. The comics used to sell millions of copies. They don't. And that's okay. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is put a fucking 
video in front of a movie explaining the comics that inspired the film. And that's not me knocking Monica. That's me mocking the ideas that float well, floating they've around. They've done it. They've all, like, every, they've tried all of them. It didn't, it doesn't move. People don't want to read in general. No. I mean, but I think it's the same thing, like, I'm sure that, that novel sales, sp- you know, spike. It's, okay, look, I think it works this way. A movie comes out, it's based on a book. Go to the bookstore, you'll see the picture of Keanu Reeves on there instead of whatever it is yeah. you had before, and more people will buy that book. But right. will the overall number of books, will that affect the book market? No. No. And that's how it is with comic books. You're going to sell some comic books, but you're not going to boost. Right. You're selling comic books, maybe to some extra people, but like overall, you're not going to see, oh my God, comic books grew 10% this year. You're going to sell them in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone's going to see Watchmen and buy a copy of Watchmen or see or watch the Walking Dead TV show and buy more copies of that trade, but they're not going to come back every Wednesday and buy other comics. Right. And which, it, which, what's kind of cool, though, is that the, with the economics of comics being what they are very small, that small boost can mean a lot to the people who created it. Yeah. So that's, a, that's actually a good thing, especially we're probably not so much Marvel or whatever, but, um, you know, like if uh, apparently there was a preacher show. You know, and if, if, you know, out of that, you know, they came and they sold another few thousand comics or, you know, whatever, like that's going to benefit the creators. Yeah. yeah, trades, I mean, but, you know, so that that will be significant. But, you know, all these DC shows, they're not selling Superman trades, you know, for right. or Supergirl or whatever. And, and that's not filtering down to the creators necessarily. It is what it is. The culture is not, people don't read. Even the books, like if you look, you know, the New York Times bestseller list, the threshold to get on that list is very, very small. Yeah. Most people who write books don't do it for a living. They have another job. Even people who are really successful and sell a lot of books, or quote-unquote a lot of books, they still have other jobs because other than a very small handful of authors. The people at the supermarket check in. You don't sell enough to to support yourself. Yeah. You really only have to sell a few thousand copies of a book to get the New York Times bestseller list. That's what most people don't know. People don't read. Yeah. They'd rather watch the movie. That's fine. It is. It is how it is. It is what it is. Comics are healthy. Comics are not going away. If comics were like on their deathbed, I might have a different answer. But yeah. they're not. They're doing fine. I, I would also like to say that where Connor said everybody wants everyone to love the thing they love. Not my case. <laughs> I'm kind of the opposite. <laughs> like, I've been to the basketball, and uh, I, I'd like it if everybody didn't like basketball, because I could get better seats. I could, <laughs> there would be less people around. I don't want the hassle. I just need three people to talk about it with. I think I agree with Monica. I don't know. I think Monica's take is our take. It's hard to say. I, I agree. She wasn't arguing for that. She was just... Yeah. Yeah. Monica's correct. It is what it is. People don't want to read. That's fine. Let them enjoy the movies and you can have your comics and neither one of those is going away anytime soon. Contact at ifanboy.com. That's you can write in like Monica and John. You can write in for this show. If you write for the media Explode, please put media Explode in a title so I can put it in the proper folder. In the meantime, here are other shows we have for you to enjoy. Almost all of these are from the patrons. Currently behind this show in the feed, Josh mentioned it earlier, his Talksplode interview with Will Dennis, part two, the 100th episode of Talksplode. More talk with Will Dennis. I haven't heard it yet, Josh, because it just came out. What is the topic of this show? More or less, the first one we talked about Vertigo, because he worked at Vertigo during a very fertile and just wonderful historic time for comic books uh, to be at Vertigo. He's an editor, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Really, a guy who brought in... You know, he's right up there with Bob Shrek as a guy who you yeah. can look at and see all the people that he brought in to comics and be like, oh, my God, he changed he changed comics. Will Dennis had a big hand in that. You know, just like Jason Aaron is in comics because of him. You know, that's mm-hmm. 
that that's just one example. But in 2013, 14, uh, DC was like, we're moving to LA and he didn't go. So he had to start a new career as a independent comics editor, freelance comic editor in this world that had been very changed. And we talked about that and sort of having to start from scratch, you know, and you went from a really big corporate conglomerate and, you know, like it's like, we talk about comics as being a poor man's game. And I think if you were an editor in the early two thousands, you were doing pretty well for yourself. And he, and he said, you know, so he, you have to start over completely, learn how to call diamond and do all this stuff that he never right. had to do for himself. This one's actually a little longer than the last episode. So uh good guy, like not, like not afraid to say anything like is it will tell you what he thinks and what happened and uh really great look into we don't get we haven't got a lot of editors on here yeah and his his take on comics is not the same as mine the way that he looks at them is is you know like he's not into the craft of the whole thing in the way that i am but he's like is it cool <laughs> like and, <laughs> and you know a lot of great comics came out of that ethos so, yeah, so there you go that's right behind the show on the feed and a little bit behind that one is last month's media explode show where we talked about the book of boba fett season one and so you can find those back there. Coming soon, coming in the month of March, because this is the very end of February. This coming week, we have our Booksplode, the new Teen Titans, the Judas Contract. We're going to be taking a look at that classic DC storyline. And then the week after, we're going to have Catwoman Hunted, the animated brain trust, reviewing that film. We've already recorded it. Somewhere in the middle will be the review of the Batman. And that's not quite sure when that's going to come out exactly, but that's going to be in there somewhere. And then we'll have our pre-Oscars Media Splode show in March as well. Those are the f- shows you'll be getting in March. Four shows. You can find all of our shows over at ifanboy.com. When I say it like that, I don't mind it. As well as the archive of years <laughs> of great comic book writing from our talented staff. It's not even a word anymore. It's a sound yeah. to a certain extent. It's a series mm-hmm. of letters that make a sound that don't mean anything until I say it to someone else. And then all of a sudden, it's starkly clear. To find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out, follow ifanboy on Twitter and iFanboyComics on Instagram. You can follow Connor and I individually on Instagram at CS Kilpatrick and J.A. Flanagan. You can subscribe to our YouTube page over at YouTube.com slash iFanboy. The old video shows are all uploaded except the minis, so the minis are going up. And, and to, you know, again, to point out, the shows were designed to be sort of watch whenever they age, but that's what will happen. But the minis were, like, supposed to be up to the date. Here's what's happening right now, so just be mm-hmm. prepared for that. This past week, Stanley at San Diego Comic-Con 2008. Who did that? I do that? Is that the white shirt with the blue no, tie? No, Ron did it. Ron, okay, I can see it. We did it in the lobby. It was strange. We had and people walking the, behind us. And the guy us. got to meet him? Then yeah. Our, we had a contest for our, one of our listeners to meet, yeah. or viewers at the time, to meet Stanley, and that happened, yes. Yeah, awesome. But that's our last Comic-Con show, finally. Oh, oh, the last. Two weeks. I was like, we went to shows after 2008. No, no, we see. did like two straight weeks of right, right, I got it. Comic-Con. Yeah. We did the pick of the week. Final crisis number three. If you want to know what we thought of Final Crisis number three, or just me, that time, yeah, not you, but I was just using me. we, the royal we, the royal we, that's fine, the royal we, Grant Morrison and JG Jones, JG Jones, that's right, Prestige. Yeah. Connor made that the pick of the week. Yeah, yeah. So that's there. You can you can see all of his. There's some fun ones coming up. There's some fun ones coming up. We have about thirty more meetings after this. Mm-hmm. This is where we started to get ones. Yeah. Hey, if you like the show, consider leaving a review or a star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Even that, that, that is word of mouth. Tell your friends or whoever asks about what podcast you listen to. We appreciate that. Help us spread the word. We do thank you for doing so. And we thank you for listening for this week. And Josh, happy birthday. Thank you. When this comes out, it will be your 40 birthday. <laughs> 45. 40 so, congratulations. You made it. Five. Thank you. I did it. I did it. If this is the halfway point, I'll be fine. Oh, God, I just saying that felt horrible.
Halfway to 50. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I was talking about <laughs> dying. Like, are we at the point, like, like for a long time, people were like, stop talking about being old all the time. Like, are we old enough that we can talk about being old without people telling? Because we've been doing it since we were in our 20s. But now. Yeah, but now things really hurt. And, oh, sure. You know, getting the AARP magazine soon. We have relationships with our doctors now. <laughs> oh, I I call my doctor by his first name. Yeah, it's great. Hey, Barry. Thanks for listening. See you next week. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. I hope you enjoyed this extra 15 minutes that Connor saddled himself with. Fuck me. <laughs>